Our epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 6. It's the text for our sermon today. Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text this morning is Romans chapter 6 that Pastor Sam read for us just a few moments ago, but you all know me by now. There's going to be some references to the gospel and to the Old Testament lesson as well. Well, today we do. We celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, a baptism humanly administered by John the Baptist, But it is the baptism that paved the way for our baptism to be established and grounded in Christ Jesus himself so that his grace might come and extend to his people through the application of water and the power of his word. Thanks be to God. Now I could stop right here and say, oh man, and we be done. But, of course... You also know me. There is more. For there are many things here in Jesus' baptism that can take up our time. For instance, we could discuss both the reality and the symbolism of this baptism. We could discuss the heavens being opened and the Trinity displayed for all to see. The Spirit descending like a dove and the Father's voice. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's perfect. But we could also talk about the prophecy of Isaiah and how Isaiah describes Jesus as one who rules tenderly. As he describes our king as one who will not break a bruised reed, nor quench the faintly burning wick of faith. But rather, Jesus will faithfully bring forth justice by going to the cross. 
and taking upon himself our punishment for our sins. And we could talk about how John said that I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Oh, but wait a minute, that is what we're going to be talking about today, because for in our New Testament lesson, Paul expounds upon our baptism that Jesus both brings and bestows upon us. It is the place where he gathers us into his barn. Through the water and word of baptism, We are connected to Jesus, the very Son of God himself. And that includes his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, how can the water do these things? Well, water by itself cannot. It is only the power of God that accomplishes these things through His Word and His promise. And we all know that His Word and His promise are true, for we have the Old Testament canon that testifies that the Messiah is coming. It points to Jesus. And we have the New Testament canon that points to Jesus explaining all that he has done for us. And it leaves us with a new promise. A promise that he is coming again because there is more. There is so much more. A new heaven, a new earth. Can you imagine exploring that? All face to face with the living God forever all by God's grace, through faith. Which means that faith must come to us in holy baptism. We don't understand how God does it, but if John the Baptist can leap in the womb of his mother at the voice of Mary, then infants most assuredly can and do have faith given in the water and word of holy baptism. Why would we doubt it? We have God's word on it. But we do, don't we? Perhaps there's something here that we are not seeing. I mean, a portion of our text today is read at each and every of our, one of our funeral services. It isn't like we are unfamiliar with this passage. But like with everything else in life, most explanations need to come within full context. So you need to know that prior to our reading today, Paul has laid out for his hearers that we are justified by faith. 
And with that justification, we have peace with God. He further reminds us that we had nothing to do with it. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just as death came through one man, that would be Adam, life comes through one man, Jesus Christ, who gave his perfect life for the sins of all. No matter what you have done, that includes you. And to ground us in this reality, Paul is going to remind us today of our baptism. And he's going to combat our propensity to sin without wanting to change. So he starts our text today with that rhetorical question, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, he answers his own question with, by no means. We are not to sin more so grace can increase. Rather, this new life which we have received in holy baptism calls us to abhor sin in all its forms and to refrain from it to the best of our ability, asking God to help us each and every step of the way in our lives. For we have already died to sin. There's no way we can continue to live in it. This is where Paul's words seem to bring maybe not so much confusion, but consternation. Maybe even a little despair. Because our earthly experience is different from his words. We continue to sin oh so easily. We don't seem to be dead to sin, and sometimes we like it so much. (laughs) Sin is there. It seems like there's a monkey wrench in the works. Paul himself will grapple with this ugly dichotomy in the very next chapter of Romans, and he will come up with only one solution. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ our Lord. That's his solution. You see, you have no other choice left to you but to fall at the foot of the cross and depend upon Jesus alone. Thus, none of Paul's grappling will actually mean anything unless we pause and we look closer at the work of our Lord in our baptism. So Paul explains, in our baptism, we were put to death with Christ. And this is a critical understanding of our salvation. Our salvation is rooted in and through the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus. But Paul gives us another rhetorical question here. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? And that answer is meant to be plain. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Now I'm going to purposely stop mid-verse because we need to stop 
We need to see something that is right here in front of our face, and we often miss it. Because Paul's point here is that baptism actually accomplishes something. Something more than just water applied and the word spoken. Satan wants you to think otherwise. Ignore him. Paul is consistent and clear. In order to be buried with Christ Jesus, we must first be united to him. Which means that in baptism, we are not only united with Jesus, but we are baptized into his death and promised a resurrection just like his. But there's more. Because we are united to Christ, we receive his righteousness. His perfection becomes our perfection. His robe of righteousness becomes our robe of righteousness. That is why the pastors wear albs. It symbolizes the righteousness of Christ that is covering us as we serve a holy God. It is a reminder to you that you too have this robe of righteousness given to you in your baptism. You too are now holy as he is holy. And we shake our heads and we go, how can this be? Well, this can only be if baptism is a means of grace. In baptism, the forgiveness of sins comes. Faith comes. Eternal life comes. Think of it. The Lord God of heaven and earth joins you to himself in holy baptism. We just witnessed it this morning. And he joins us to everything that he has accomplished for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection from the grave. His inheritance is now ours. All by grace alone, through faith alone. Brought to us in and by the water and word of holy baptism. But we're not done here. For we need to drive down to the foundation. For if we don't, we stand to lose that which holds us together in Christ Jesus. And it is this. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now it is true that when we die, we no longer sin. But Paul here is reminding us that the one who died on the cross and was raised from the grave is the one set free. He has already paid for the sins of the world. Nothing else clings to him. Thus, our foundation to all of life eternal is that birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone is the one that makes this possible. He does everything for us. It is Jesus who provides the necessary sacrifice for the sins of the world. It is Jesus who provides us the sacraments where he unites us with himself. It is Jesus, the Word made flesh who gives us his powerful and holy word that has the ability to work faith in us. 
and bring us everlasting life. And now being united with Christ in our baptism, sin no longer has any effect on our eternal life. Baptism is a big deal. This is why we have so many remembrances of our baptism right here in this service. The first you saw was the sign of the cross. You saw it in our invocation. You saw the sign of the cross given in the rite of holy baptism, both upon the forehead and upon the heart. To Mark, Nolan is one redeemed by Christ the crucified. The sign of the cross even shows up multiple times within that rite. And during the service, not only in the invocation, but in absolution. In the words of institution, our communion dismissal, and our benediction, every time you see the sign of the cross, remember your baptism. But that's not the only remembrance of our baptism here in worship. We also hear God's name spoken over us in our baptism in the invocation at the beginning of the service. Not only do we start in God's name so that we are assured of his presence among us, but in the invocation we hear those words again of our baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pastor Arp is very good at reminding us that whenever we see, touch, taste, smell, or hear water, We should remember our baptism and all that it entails. So I'm going to ask you, at the end of the service, to walk out into the narthex, place your finger in the water, make the sign of the cross upon your forehead, and remember your baptism. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to ask the ushers to open up the doors so that for the remainder of this service, you hear the running water. Folks, this is not pietism. Doing this very thing does not save you. For Christ has already accomplished that for you. What it does do is to help remind you who you are. You are a loved and cherished child of God, one for whom your Savior bled and died. You are the one He wants with Him forever. So He unites you with Himself in baptism. And being connected to Jesus makes a difference. But we should be careful. For this intertwining with Jesus is one that we can undo. It is only undone by unbelief, the rejection of Jesus. And that is why we ask you to remember your baptism so often in all that it brings you, so that you will not reject Jesus because. There is more. There is another promise. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. 
For those that have died when Jesus returns, this means a resurrection just like His. St. Paul says this very thing in verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For those of us that are, that are alive at His return, it means that we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. From perishable to imperishable, from mortal to immortal. And all of this means that the goal of life is not collecting more things. It isn't marking another thing off of your bucket list. The goal of life is life after the resurrection. It's life with Jesus, indeed with God Himself, face to face forever. That is what your baptism brings you. So consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, for that is what you are. Amen. Now the